Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 75 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this week's episode is titled Bibbleman Track, Here I Come. It's the 8th of August, and just after I publish this podcast episode, I'll be heading to bed for a fairly short sleep before getting up for an early morning flight to Perth in Western Australia, then on to Albany to start my five to six week journey on the thousand kilometre Bibbleman Track hike. And that also means that it'll be a fairly short sleep for me too and uh, an early rise to drop Tim off at the airport so he can start his Bibbleman Track uh, journey. In this episode, we'll be discussing my expectations and my hopes for this trip. And over the coming weeks, I'll be walking my way back to Perth. And as part of that, I'll be recording a weekly podcast from the trail And as best I can, I'll be trying to stick to my Wednesday publishing schedule that we've maintained since we launched the Australian Hiker podcast in 2016. I've had to learn some new skills to allow me to record, edit and publish these podcasts as I go, uh, and rather than wait until I reach one of the towns. Having said that, I'm at the mercy of adequate phone and data signal, so my release days may vary, and given the availability, I'm likely to be publishing more often than not on Wednesdays and Thursdays for the next six weeks. So please forgive the, uh, the, the scheduling and check on a regular basis for the new episodes. In addition, I'll be interviewing other hikers doing the track as a through hike, also known as an end-to-end in the case of the Bibbleman track, as well as those doing shorter sections to hear how they're going and what they think of the track. I hope that you will follow my journey, and if you have any questions, please send me an email or message, and I'll endeavour to respond as soon as I can, but it may take me a little while to respond. Now, this is one of the uh, podcasts that I get to ask all the questions um, of Tim, or at least most of them anyway. So you've been planning this trip for two years. How are you feeling at this minute? I suppose as as it's gotten closer and closer to the time, I've become a bit more apprehensive, and and that's been for a couple of reasons. Um, I've been really busy at work, um, and I'd planned on getting out of the office today at four o'clock, and um, that ended up being five, and I still didn't get everything done that I wanted to. Um, I've been keeping a close eye on the weather over the last few weeks, uh, and the day I start my hike in Albany, which is Thursday, um, I've seen the weather forecast go from a forecast of 25 mils of rain to 40 mils of rain back to 25 mils of rain. But e- either way you look at it, I think I'm going to get wet on Thursday when I start the hike. <laughs> so what are you what are you looking forward to the most? Um I suppose there's a there's a there's probably not just one thing. There's there's a few things. I mean, for me, this will be the longest hike that I've ever done, both distance wise and time wise. So I'm looking forward to seeing how I go there. I'm looking forward to the wildflowers. Um, Perth is very well known for its wildflower season, and while I'm actually going against the flow as far as wildflowers are concerned, I still expect to see quite a lot. 
Um, you know, I've got a horticultural background. I love seeing all the the native wildflowers. So this will be something I'll be keenly looking forward to. What do you mean going against the flow? Um, talking to Steve Sirtis from the Bibbleman Track Foundation in last week's podcast, um, one of the things that that was seemed to be the case was that most people seem to start their hike in. Uh, Perth and finish at Albany uh, with less people actually going from the south and heading north. And in my case, I'll be heading northward. Uh, and I know that following the threads on some of the social media, there's a number of other people who are starting their trip, either just who have either just started or are starting over the next couple of weeks, who I'll come across somewhere in the middle of the track. So what you're saying is that... Um as the time goes on, there are more wildflowers and you miss the ones at the beginning. Is that what you're saying? From what I understand from talking to people, that the wildflower season really starts in Perth and then moves its way south as the weather changes. Uh, and because I'm going against the weather changes, uh, it's likely that I'll have, um, I, I won't say a, a worse experience. I mean, the, the problem with Western Australian wildflower season, it is weather dependent. It's dependent on rainfall. It's dependent on how warm or, or cool the winter's been. Um, so I know that I will see quite a lot. Um, and it really, for me, this trip was, uh, it just suited in time-wise. It, while it would have been good from my perspective to leave another week or two, I think I'm still going to see quite a lot there. So um, expect lots of photos from me. <laughs> And what are your biggest concerns? Um, as I said, the weather. Um, I've been keeping a close eye. And for the, uh, I suppose to give you an example, the, my first segment is a three-day trip from Albany to Denmark. Um, it's 85 kilometres approximately. Uh, and I've got um, two inlets to cross. The one just at Albany doesn't worry me too much. Uh, but the one at Torbay Inlet uh, on the second day, um, they've gone through and opened the inlets in the last couple of weeks. And I'm given all the, the way the weather's been, it's been fairly wet, it's been fairly windy. Uh, uh, I believe that the beaches have been quite heavily impacted by the, uh, by all the, the weather conditions. So I'm preparing myself to have to do the alternate route around Torbay Inlet, which will add an extra 19 kilometres to that day. Uh, and if that's the case, that'll actually give me the biggest day of the entire trip. Okay, okay. So how, you know, you've talked about the plan, but how will you, do you think generally you'll go against your plan and um, do you think you've uh, allowed enough time? Um, over the last over the last probably two and a half years, I've been testing myself for want of a better term to see what my capabilities are, how far I can actually walk in a day and back that up in multiple days. Uh, so I've got a reasonably good understanding of what my capabilities are from a physical perspective. But as I said, I mean, certainly I haven't done a five to six week hike before. So it will be interesting to see how that goes. I have allowed rest days um, and I do actually have a week up my sleeve if I don't go as fast as I think I'll go. So um, once I actually get away from the coastal conditions, which I think is going to be the hardest part of this walk for me given the given the way the weather is at the moment i've it looks like i've got right about five to six days of rain ahead of me once i start on thursday and while some of the days might be fairly light 
as I said, this Thursday's, you know, I'm looking forward to a, a fair amount of rain. So I'm just going to have to put my head down and just keep on going. So I know that um, over the last few weeks, uh, probably few months, you've been testing out all sorts of things. Um, fair to say that's driven me absolutely insane. Um, so what what were you doing and why? Um, I have come from a couple of, well, probably two and a half years ago, um, we, both Jill and I, had a, um, a hike that was a fairly, uh, it was a three-day hike um, around about 52 kilometres into the Bimbury Wilderness. Um, and at that stage, it was with what you'd class as traditional gear. It was fairly heavy sort of gear. It was fairly steep terrain. Uh, there was... There'd been a drought on in this part of the country, so we had to carry extra water, and it really pushed us hard. So I've gone through, partly because of that, but uh, and assessed every piece of gear that I own, working out if what what I'm carrying is necessary. And certainly over the last couple of days, in the the daily posts I've been doing on Facebook, I've gone through and packed, and then repacked again, just to see what I can actually take out. Um, I've done quite a lot of traveling. I was actually born overseas because of my father's job. And um, uh, I'm used to actually packing for international travel and having weight limitations. So um, I'm used to doing one or two repacks. And and in that case, I get a lot of stuff that comes out of the pack, uh, which makes it uh, as light as it possibly can. Um, I think from my perspective, I uh, weighed my pack last night and on the first day, uh, without water, I've still got to add water once I get over there. I've got sixteen point five seven kilos, I think it is. So that's pretty heavy. <laughs> I mean, once 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 I add the water, that's going to take it up to around about eighteen eighteen and a half kilos. Um, given that it's going to be raining, uh, I don't think water is going to be an issue for the first five or six days. But I guess the good thing is it's all food. <laughs> it is, and and, and again, it's the, it, the real issue is because of the food. Uh, once I actually, I'm actually carrying food for about eight days. Um, I decided not just to do uh, a three day food carry, then pick up food in uh, Denmark and then and, and travel on to Walpole. So I'm carrying food for around about seven days that'll carry me through from uh, Albany to Walpole, Walpole over around about an eight day period. So the pack's going to be much, much, much lighter. Uh, as I said, probably, I think it's uh, my first food carry is around about six and a half kilos. And that's one of the heaviest food carriers I've got all trip. Um, I suppose the other things I've been going through and doing uh, with equipment is, as I said, working out what I need. Can I get something lighter? Uh, do I want something lighter? Because as much as I'm trying to become an ultralight hiker, I look at a, a piece of a gear and there are definitely pieces of gear that I'm carrying that people would consider to be luxuries. And I suppose doing a blog and a podcast, I've got a kilo and a half of electronics just so I can go through and podcast and blog on the trail. You know, if I could lose that, that would certainly make a big difference. And it's not something that most people tend to carry. So you talked about uh, people doing the trail and uh, heading uh, north uh, to the south, um, you're expecting to see a few along the way. Do you expect to see many people on the trail? I think so. I think I'll probably see more people coming the other direction rather than uh, than coming the direction I've gone, particularly given the weather in the southern part of the uh, the state. Um, 
again, talking to Steve Sirtis in there in our podcast interview last week, uh, and Steve's from the Bibbleman Track Foundation, he indicated that a lot of people, they it's an easier, bit of an easier start coming out of Perth. It's sort of almost like you're leaving the city and going out in the bush, and it's got a bit of a psychological impact. Uh, and there's more huts closer together, closer to Perth, so people can do shorter days. So I think... Um, Certainly from the people I've seen uh, on the online posts, more people, I don't haven't actually seen anyone who is starting, at least that's actually posting online, that's actually starting from Albany around the same time as I am. But I could be wrong. I'm sure that there will be people going from south to north and I will come across them or they will be ahead of me at some point. Um, I do expect to see people coming the other direction and probably a reasonable amount. And I expect to see a lot of day hikers or people who are doing a weekend or three or four days as opposed to doing the entire trip. So I, I, I do expect to see a fair number of people on the trail, particularly when the weather improves and it's a, you know, it's a nice weekend. And, you know, it's the weekends when I think I'll really pick up people. Okay. All right. Well, that would be interesting to see whether that's actually the case or not. You talked about testing out some of the gear over the last few weeks and months that you've been doing. Um, what have you been doing to test yourself physically? I'm, as many of you may be aware, I'm I'm a person that thrives on information. I um, uh, and one of the things that I originally started looking at a few years ago. Uh, when I started looking at the long, doing a long distance trip was the American long trails. And I was, I immersed myself in podcasts and blogs and I read all sorts of articles that were available. And some of the things that I came across were studies and tests that had been done on long distance hiking and the impact. And it was something that I couldn't really find the same sort of thing in Australia. And, and that's always interested me. So I, I like to test myself. I like to push myself to see how I go. And as part of this, I've done a couple of things. I went through and had a, a series of um, uh, blood tests uh, just to see what my health was like. Uh, and I've talked about that in a recent post over the last few days and, and discovered to my surprise that I've got a vitamin D deficiency. But given that, you know, it's it's Canberra, it's fairly cold. And even though I am spending a lot of time out in the open, I, um, I'm just not getting much exposure to sun. So... Um, I've started taking a supplement just to, to fix that issue. And it was something that um, um, uh, that I suppose is the next part of that. I did actually go and talk to a nutritionist as well and get her to have a look at my food for the trip. Uh, and she said what I'd chosen was fairly good. Um, I, we both know I'm light on on calories, so I expect to lose weight. Uh, and I also expect to stuff my face when I reach the towns. <laughs> um, so I think the town, the towns will obviously do well out of through hikers because it's like find somewhere to eat and eat. Um, but again, she, she actually recommended that based on, she analyzed the food that I was taking and said, um, that I was short on the micronutrients and had recommended a, a vitamin supplement anyway. And some of you will uh, remember our interview with, um, Lisa Donaldson from, a feed ink, and so Lisa was the one that provided Tim the advice. So, um, well, well, well worth the um, engagement with her. Uh, and the other couple of things that I've done as well as part of this, um, I've been to see my podiatrist. Uh, I was aware of the theory behind foot taping, and I do have an issue with uh, doing big day, big repetitive days, and getting hot spots on the front of my feet. It's it's just the way I walk. Um, I know 
that if I keep it below 20 kilometers a day, I don't have the issue. But certainly I'm looking at averaging around about 30 to 32 kilometers a day, and that's potentially going to be a problem. So I went and had foot taping lessons, um, and it may not tape my entire foot as the images uh, on one of my recent posts showed, but I have now know how to do it. Um, and it's one thing seeing the videos and, you know, you can go online and see the Oxfam videos for doing the 100K walk in two or three days and you see what, what's done, but seeing it and actually being taught how to do it are two different things. The other thing that I did as well was I went to the University of Canberra to their exercise research center there. Um, and I did a, an oxygen, um, test at both at rest and under, um, uh, under pressure. Uh, to to see how my oxygen usage was uh, given uh, in both at rest and increasing um, workloads on a treadmill from a hiking perspective. And I'll actually be doing, in both cases, in the case of the blood tests and of the uh, uh, the fitness tests at the University of Canberra, I'll be doing an, an after version of both those, doing a comparison and to see what sort of impact doing five to six weeks of hiking has on me physically. I found with doing multiple week hikes before that I feel a lot better, um, but I can't tell you exactly why that's the case. Um, I think probably it's because I'm getting away from a lot of the junk food, which is which is such a, a, um, a, a temptation uh, when you're in a working environment. Um, but yeah, I just want to be able to sort of Look at it, and again, I will publish that as a blog post um, uh, uh, in, in the weeks uh, after I actually finish this trip. All right, now I've probably got a couple of questions for you, Jill. Um, from your perspective, how do you think my preparation's gone? Uh, I look, I have to say it's thorough. <laughs> I uh, I start I started to wonder what other people do when they're planning. A long distance hike. Uh, this has gone on for a very, very long time. Um, there's been a lot of detail and even in the last few days of, um, you know, crossing things off checklists and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, it hasn't really, uh, let up. So, uh, I won't say that I'm, you know, keen to put you on the plane tomorrow morning, Tim, but, um, it, it's been pretty, pretty full on and there hasn't been a lot of, lot going on, uh, in the house. Um, since you started to do this in earnest, um, I think, uh, you know, probably for me, I, I tend to approach things in a much more intuitive way. So you are into the detail and you need to know everything. I probably need to know less and a, a little bit more comfortable about, um, working it out along the way. Um, I'm not sure whether one's better than the other. Um, but certainly uh, it's been an interesting process for me to watch. Okay, and the second question for you is, as the stay-at-home partner on this trip, what are your concerns? Uh, look, I think five to six weeks is a really long time. Uh, you're out there by yourself. Um, uh, you know, I'm probably not so concerned about you doing something silly, but, you know, there are silly people about. Um and you know the uh i think sometimes when you get a bit hungry um you get a bit f- forgetful <laughs> that worries me a bit um look i have no doubt that you you will do this um and you will do this well um 
Uh, there's probably nothing specific that that really worries me. It's just the absence and the length of time. I think probably, um, and you know the fact that um, I'm now going to be uh, meeting up with you um, uh, in Perth. So waiting for you to arrive. That's probably a bit of a bit of an indicator that um, you know. Despite you being so annoying, or after all of these months, I still do care. <laughs> all right, uh, it's nice to know you, love. <laughs> uh, and I and I do want to thank Jill. I I know I can get a bit, bit obsessive with this sort of stuff. I do have an obsessive personality, and once I lash onto an idea or or something, I do I don't let go of it. Uh, and this this was the whole idea of this podcast is provide an out uh, this podcast and the blog. To provide an outlet for that, yeah, but it's just—it's just got bigger, hasn't it? <laughs> it's just more obsessive now. It is, it is. But yeah, certainly, um, you know, Jill has provided an awful lot of help, and even um, I, I know from doing uh, doing degrees that you become blind when you immerse yourself into this sort of stuff, and what you think's there is not. So it's always good when we're going through and doing the final pack and doing the food list, just to have somebody else there just to double check. You know, if you forget something on a one or two night trip, providing it's not the tent or the sleeping bag, you're probably <laughs> fine. And I've no people who have done that. Um, but um, yeah, certainly having someone else cast an eye over what you think is a good list uh, and a good preparation to see whether there's something missing or not. And I'll and I'll be honest, Jules a better packer than I am, so she's actually the one that's packed the food into the individual bags and into the boxes, uh, because she'll be sending those off uh, on a regular basis through the hike as I go. The other thing that I'd like to say as well is, um, and and this is this is something I was aware of from a distance, but I've experienced it firsthand that the amount of offers I've had for help on this trip um, from other hikers that I, I'm aware of and even people that I don't even know have offered me help has been quite amazing. Um, it really shows you what a, a good community, the hiking community is, particularly in Western Australia and around this track. Um, you know, People like um, Steve Sirtis from the Bibbleman Track Foundation, who gave his time uh, in the interview last week, was more than happy to offer advice. Um, uh, Michelle um, uh, from Perth, who just completed her trip and recorded, um, uh, released a DVD on this track uh, just recently, has been quite helpful. Uh, and as well as as others um, like AJ from Campus Pantry, uh, who have who've offered their help. Um, uh, with logistical side of things. Uh, and they're people that, that I've been aware of and know, as well as the many other people who have just offered help along the way. So it really is a good community, and I'm looking forward to meeting a number of these people that I haven't met before, um, either during the trip or after the trip. Okay, so we hope you've enjoyed this episode uh, and that it will join me on this trip, even if it's from the comfort of your home or your car or when you're out walking. As always, this podcast and our future releases can be listened to through the Australian Hiker website, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud and iTunes. In addition, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram and through the Journey section of our website where I will be doing as much as possible daily or at least every few days posts as the signal strength allows me on the track. 
To help get the message out there on this podcast, please go through and rate us on iTunes. And don't forget to tell your hiking friends about this trip, particularly those that are looking at doing the Bibbleman Track over the next couple of years. Hope you've enjoyed. That's all from me. Bye for now. And bye from me.